Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Brownsbridge Church podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Brownsbridge Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out more information about Brownsbridge Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, we are wrapping up the series today, and I'm excited about it. I think uh, this week is actually going to be the best week of the series so far. And uh, once we're done, if you have a 16-year-old that is in need of a car, um, <laughs> good news is we'll give you a really, really good deal on it. Bad news is it doesn't drive. So, um, no, but we've had a lot of fun. If you missed the last couple of weeks, you can go back and uh, catch up on our website, on our app. But essentially, kind of the heartbeat of this series is that in, in life, things are constantly breaking. And so therefore we are constantly fixing. Uh, we looked at a lot of different categories, talked about this over the last couple of weeks that throughout life, we're constantly fixing things, a house, a car, all sorts of stuff with technology that we have nowadays, stuff breaks, we gotta call customer service and then they tell us to power it off and power it back on and magically it just works again. It's really amazing. Um, relationships, you know, relationships, not just the physical stuff that needs fixing. There's, we're constantly fixing and mending relationships. Uh, someone close to us, someone at work, someone in the neighborhood. And then we also work on ourselves. You know, we break sometimes in, in uh, whether it's something physical or mental or emotional or, or just something in our lives. And, and so we, we, we get really, really good at fixing things. But what we've been talking about in this series is that some things, some things are better broken. There are things in your life and in mine that are better broken. And hopefully you've thought about some of those things over the last couple of weeks. And that as you have observed your life and, and thought about your life, those things have kind of bubbled to the surface and, and uh, you, you've kind of pulled out the hammer like I did in week one and begun to break those things or at least prepared to break those things. Some things in life are better broken. And if we don't break them, we can unintentionally, unintentionally begin to fix them in our lives. When they're not front and center anymore, when they're out of sight, out of minds, they can begin to creep their way back into our lives. It's as if we're fixing them, duct taping them, super gluing them back together without even knowing them. That's why this idea is so important. I mean, come on, you, you, don't, want, you don't want your anger or your temper to keep affecting your life the way it is. I mean, you feel like you dealt with it a year ago, but boop, there it is again. There came, there, there was my anger, there was my temper. Why is it there? Well, it's because I, I broke it a year ago, but then like without knowing it, I, I kind of unintentionally fixed it and now it's a thing again. And I, I don't know how it's played out for you. Maybe it's uh, something that, that you, you think it's a habit, but the people around you, they see it and they know that it's more than a habit, that it's a problem. Maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's worry or fear. You just have things in life that shut you down in fear. That, that worry, that fear, it keeps you from accomplishing, achieving, moving forward into the thing that you were built for, the thing your life is really all about. Maybe, um, maybe it's apathy. Get into that place in life where you just kind of throw your hands up and go, you know what, I don't care. I'm just, I'm done with it. I'm not gonna deal with it any longer. And all of a sudden we kind of check out of the very thing that we need to be checked into. Selfishness, bitterness, envy, pride, all of those things, they are better broken. And we are better when they're broken. And I've said this all three weeks, but that in the invitation to follow Jesus 
The invitation to follow Jesus is actually an invitation to break these things. This is not just a self-help idea. It's helpful. It's helpful, but it's more than that. That when we follow Jesus, he's not just our savior eternally, but he actually wants us to experience his kingdom in the here and the now. So today, as we wrap up, I wanna talk about something that has the potential to change all of our lives. It's something that we all need to hear. And in fact, it can help us see things differently from here on. And as your pastor, this is one of my greatest desires for you. It's one of my greatest desires for me. It's uh, one of the greatest desires I have for anybody that walks through the doors of this church and really for our entire community. And to get us started uh, with where we're headed today, we got to start with this idea that everyone, everyone wants to be someone, don't they? Everyone wants to be someone. Specifically, everyone wants to be someone great. Now, you may hear that and go, no, nah, man, I know some people, they definitely do not want to be great. It's obvious that they don't want to be great. They're kind of just coasting in life. And, but the reality is they just see greatness differently than you do or maybe I do. We may define greatness differently, but everyone wants to be someone and everyone wants to be someone great. The other night I was um, putting Jet to bed. He's our eight-year-old and I was in his room and kind of, we were kind of goofing off and playing and laughing. And then, and then I just got serious. I was like, hey, Jet, buddy, I, I just, I love you. And um, I just, you know, I just, I just, I bless you as your dad. I just, I want you to follow Jesus with your life. And if you follow Jesus with your life, he's gonna do incredible things in and through you. And, and Jet, did you know, did you know you can do whatever you want to in this world? You can be whatever you want to. You could be a doctor or a lawyer or a scientist or a salesman. You could be whatever you want to. He goes, I know what I wanna be. I wanna be a DJ. And I realize there's probably some very accomplished DJs in our audience today. So there's nothing wrong with being a DJ. I just, in that moment, that's not what I was expecting him to say. You see, our, our, our definition of greatness could be different, but everybody, everybody wants to be someone great. Everybody has things that they desire for their career. Everyone has something, okay, they, they again, they, their definition of what a great career is may be different than yours, but they have something in their sights. They have some sort of vision for it, some sort of desire for it. Everyone wants to have great character. And again, we say, well, no, there's some people with some really sloppy character around it. Well, somehow in their mind, they've defined it as, no, this is someone great. This is something great. This is what I think great character is. People have a vision around what a great family is or family life, or, or maybe they want to be single. And again, that's, that, is, that is their definition of greatness. We may define it differently, but everybody wants to be someone. These desires that we have in life is this playing out. It's this desire to be someone great. We may not see it differently. And oftentimes when we don't see it differently, we begin to judge. We assume, you know, they, they don't wanna be great, but that's not the case. They just see it differently. Everyone wants to be someone and specifically someone great. And as a result, we all build our life in that direction. Whatever, whatever great is, however we define it, it shapes our lives. It shapes the decisions we make. 
It, it shapes our schedules, how, how we spend our time. With this in view, it, it, it shapes the sacrifices that we make in life. If we have our eyes set on something, maybe even just in a particular area of life, it's like, we're gonna live in this direction. And if this thing over here, it can be really, really great. But if it's not in alignment with where I'm heading, I see this, I'm heading in this direction. I'm gonna sacrifice this thing. So our definition of greatness will shape the sacrifices we make as well. And eventually, hopefully, all of us, at least in some area, will achieve the greatness that we desire. We achieve the greatness that we want to experience in life. Eventually, life becomes what we want it to be, or maybe mostly what we want it to be, or in some area, it becomes what we want it to be. And maybe it looks different from others. But for us, it's great. We're finally at that place in life. And then eventually, eventually, life happens, doesn't it? I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna, not gonna break it like that. No, but you get to this place and you're, you're enjoying things look good. You feel like you can finally begin to coast and then life happens. We break. Or a specific area of our life breaks. And we begin to suffer. And it could be from something that we brought on ourselves. Or it could be from something that's no one's fault at all. And when this happens in our lives, what we immediately do is we jump in and we start to fix it. It's what we've been talking about in the series that we're really pros at fixing things. We're, we're trained to just react to whatever problem comes to us, whatever, whatever thing needs to be solved, whatever needs to be fixed. And we immediately jump in and figure out, okay, we're gonna problem solve this. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, we, we, we should piece it together if, if we can. You know, if we're talking about weekend plans that, that got shattered, that got broken, that's, that's no big deal. We'll just pivot. We'll make different plans. We're talking about a, a little financial mishap, like we didn't realize that bill was gonna be due or we expected this, this thing that we invested in over here to do a little better and it didn't. And now we're kind, of, we're kind of in a little bit of a pickle financially. It's like, okay, you problem solve, you pivot and you figure it out. But sometimes, sometimes we can't. Sometimes it's too big. And in those moments, our fixitness, our expertise in fixing things is not enough. When we had that family dream for years, this is what a great family is going to look like. And we're living in that direction. We're moving in that direction. And, and then something happens and it breaks. Maybe a divorce, a diagnosis, something else unforeseen. Maybe you had a dream for your career. And again, you, you made decisions and moved in that direction and everything was looking good, but then you got caught up in a bad business deal or you were promised something that was given to somebody else or something happens and your career shatters. You find yourself in a place where you try to fix it 
I try to fix it and it just does no good. What I want us to see today is that when we find ourselves in that place where it shatters to the point where we can't put it back together and we're suffering in that way, I want us to see that suffering is not the end of the story. It may look that way. It may seem that way. It may seem like the story has been written and it's done. But I want you to know today that suffering is not the end of the story. Suffering is not a destination. It's not a destination. It's actually a path. It's something that we experience as we go through life. It's part of the path. None of us can avoid suffering. But when we experience suffering, it actually brings us to a fork in the road. We can actually choose one of two ways we have suffering in our lives. We can experience bitterness. We can experience brokenness. Now you may see those and think to yourself, well, neither of those sounds like a good option, Adam. I don't know if I want either of those, especially in in our world where we just say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm tough. I'm gonna respond to whatever suffering comes my way. I'm resilient and I'm gonna keep pressing on and I'm gonna pull myself up by the bootstraps and we're gonna get this thing done and I'm not gonna let it hold me down. Well, that, that's, that's not what we're talking about today. Again, we, if you can fix it, great. Jump in and fix it. Nothing wrong with that. But we all hit times and places in life where our suffering can't be fixed. We can't just flip a switch and move on. In life. And when those happen, when we find ourselves in that place, we have two choices. And I know that neither of these may on the surface look like a great choice, but one of them, it's not only not bad, it, it actually has the ability to change your life and mine if we truly understood it and truly lived it out. For the next few minutes, I want to talk about brokenness. What is brokenness? And why is it a good thing? And much of what I'm gonna talk about over the next few minutes comes from something we do called Renew. Um, I know some of you have probably gone through Renew at some point. It's one of the best things we do as a church where you get paired with a mentor and you go through this content over the course of several months. And one of the big parts, one of the foundational parts of the content is this idea of brokenness. And the first thing I wanna do is is really set the difference between brokenness and suffering because we often can get the two confused. If you hear somebody say, you know, I'm just, I'm really broken in life right now or I'm going through a season of brokenness. Oftentimes what they're really saying is, no, I'm going through a season of suffering. Brokenness and suffering are two different things. Suffering is the state of undergoing pain, stress, or hardship brought on by us or it can be brought on by things outside of us, things that are outside of our control. We all know what suffering is. Brokenness is different, however, though. Brokenness is not a condition or a situation that we find ourselves in. Brokenness is an internal position. It's an attitude of the heart and the mind. It's an internal posture. Brokenness is when God brings you to the end of yourself, where you want nothing, more than you want him. Where you want nothing more than you want what he wants for your life, what his plans are for your life. If you've ever been a part of 
recovery program or known someone that's gone through the 12 steps. They, they talk about how uh, people have to hit rock bottom before they can really change and grow and get healthy. And that's pointing to this idea of brokenness. It's where you're like, I'm at my end. God, I can do no more. I've tried to pick up the pieces. I've tried to put it all together. I've tried to make things better. And I'm just wearing myself out. So God, I'm gonna just admit that I can't and that you can. And I think I'll let you. That's brokenness. And the beautiful thing is, we have a choice in the matter. We get to choose the path that our suffering sends us on. And this root right here, bitterness, we, we all know that this is not a great path to go down. I mean, what good has bitterness done in your life or in mine? The answer is no good, right? Because when we choose this route, we actually end up repairing things that are better broken. We repair past hurts. We dig up old wounds. Uh, we, we have to relearn lessons that we learned in the past because we kind of drug the past back into the future. We kind of drag it along with us. So we know that route is no good. So for the next few minutes, I wanna talk about brokenness. Now, the early church, the early church suffered uh, far more than we can imagine. And I know that may be hard for you here today because depending on your story, you may say, no, I've, I've had a lot of suffering, a lot of trial in my life. But uh, the first century church experienced all sorts of persecution, all sorts of trial. And th that's uh, something that, that really can be a model for us because they responded to that suffering. They responded to that trial with tremendous joy and resiliency and perseverance. This is why I think it's always so important to, to pay attention when, when a, anytime a preacher, a guy like me stands up on a stage and tells you, hey, if you just, if you just have enough faith, your life's gonna be perfect. You need to run in the opposite direction. Okay, somebody on TV or somebody you hear, you listen, he said, hey, you give God a dollar and he'll give you $10 or you give God $10, he'll give you $100. That's, that, that's not true. Not only is it not true, the opposite is true. The people who were closest to him, the people who started the early church, people who in some cases were authors of the scriptures suffered more than we could imagine. And yet it did not affect their faith at all. It did not affect their, their belief that there was a good and a strong God who was for us and loved us. And so the early church in a lot of ways is a model for us because of what they suffered and how they responded. And specifically Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, suffered all sorts of things. He describes them in some of the different letters. Today, we're gonna look at a letter he wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter one. Paul says this, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We, we can read by this so quickly and miss how big this is. Paul was not afraid to talk about his suffering. He wasn't trying to create some facade of like, hey, this is warm and fuzzy. Come and follow Jesus. It's so wonderful. You know, he, he wasn't trying to fake that to people. He was honest about the things that he suffered for him. For Paul, suffering didn't discredit what he believed was true about God. Both could exist at the same time. Tremendous suffering, tremendous trial, and yet a good God who's in control and ultimately is in charge of outcomes. And so the Corinthians had 
somehow heard about what had gone on when he was in Asia. And there was some misinformation or maybe some gossip or some, some different rumors around this. And so Paul writes and he says, look, I, I don't want you to be misinformed or uninformed about what went on, what went on and what we experienced. Paul continues, he says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. How many of you ever heard uh, the, the saying that God won't put more on you than you can handle? You don't have to raise your hand to that because all of us have heard it at some point, right? We've all heard that, oh, God won't put more on you than you can handle. Well, the reality is you won't find that in scripture anywhere. It's what academics or theologians call folk theology. Folk theology is any kind of saying or phrase um, that sounds spiritual, it sounds religious. And it's, and you know, we kind of, when we hear it, we kind of go, people, sometimes they'll grunt a little bit. They'll be like, mm, you know, mm, yeah, mm, that's, that's, you know. But it's not true. It's not founded in scripture. That's folk theology. And there's a, there's a ton of different examples of this. But this is one of the examples of it, that God won't put more on you than you can handle. He won't allow you to experience more than you can bear because Paul says the exact opposite right here. He says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. We don't know what was going on, but we know it was beyond Paul and his companions. It was beyond their ability to endure. That's some tremendous suffering. But the good news the good news is, is that suffering was not the end of the story. He continues, he says, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. They thought their lives were gonna be over. They thought that's it, we're done. This is the end. And Paul continues and says, but this happened that. There was purpose behind their suffering. We so often forget this. So often we can lose sight of the fact that there, there is a reason behind all of this, that there's something more going on than just what's going on. There's something more happening here than just, the, just what I can see, just the, the, the situation that's in front of me that's so painful and so hard and I really want it to be over, but there's something more going on here. There's purpose behind their suffering. Paul says, this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Paul chose brokenness. That's the path he went down. He could have gone down the road of bitterness. He could have gone down the other road and been, you know, in that spot where he's like, why God, like, why would you do this to us? You know, he could have pulled out the list of all the things he'd done for God and said, God, can't you see that I'm, I'm doing X, I'm doing Y, I'm doing Z. And his list would have been really, really long. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. He started churches all over. Who knows where the church would be today if it wasn't for Paul. And even in Asia, he was in Asia to spread the good news of Jesus. And he gets there and he's experiencing who knows what, far beyond his ability to endure. So he could have chose the bitterness route, but instead he chose brokenness. This is brokenness. 
a surrender. Not relying on their own strength, but a full reliance on God. Not just suffering, not just gritting their teeth and figuring a way to get through the suffering, but taking that next step to brokenness. If you're not a Christian, you're new to church, you may wonder why, why would they, why would they do that? How could they do that? How could they rely on God like that? And Paul tells us, he says, not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Jesus had been raised from the dead just a few decades before this. They knew God's power. In fact, Paul had written in his earlier letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, he spends an entire chapter, chapter 15, talking about the resurrection of Jesus and what that means for us, the resurrection life that we will experience. There was some confusion about it in Corinth. So Paul wrote about it and he told him about it. And what Paul's saying right here is, hey, I I trust God with, with my salvation for eternity. So can't I trust him in the short life that I have here on earth? I mean, I trust him to, to, to save me when I, when I, when I die and, and, and bring me to heaven and I'll spend eternity with him. So can I trust him in this, this window of suffering that I'm going through? And Paul would say the same thing to me and you. If you're a Christian here today, hey, you've trusted him with your eternity. If you trust him with your eternity, can't you trust him in this short life as well? That even when it looks like chaos, even when it looks like suffering and everything's falling apart, that we can rely on him and not just on ourselves. Paul continues, he says, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And he's not saying here that God is gonna somehow give them a way out of every situation and, and you know, the, every, every story is gonna have a bow on the end of it and a happy ending. Paul knew that death was imminent for him. It was close for him. He knew that he ultimately was gonna give his life for the gospel and he did. But his hope remained in the one who controls outcomes and the one who gave his son for all of mankind And his son died for us and did not stay dead, but was resurrected to pay for the sins of the world and bring life to every single one of us. So there's a a pattern here that Paul followed that we all can follow as well. Began with suffering. He faced suffering. Every single one of us will face suffering in life. Then for Paul, he chose brokenness. And the brokenness led to hope. He said, on him, we have set our hope. That's where his hope was set. That's where his companions set their hope. And because of that, that hope led to strength. It led to a resiliency, a persistence. It led to a bigger vision than just what's going on in the moment that yes, suffering may come, trials may come, but I can look look outside of those things to the bigger story that God is writing. And all of us, all of us can experience what Paul experienced. But it's right here where it's chosen, where it's decided. 
We all suffer. But are we going to choose bitterness or brokenness? If we choose bitterness here, bitterness just leads to more suffering. And more suffering will lead to more bitterness. But brokenness, brokenness leads to hope. Because somewhere in here, as we give up control and we lean into God and we rely on him, he meets us. Maybe not in the way we want him. I mean, oftentimes we just want him to come in and solve the situation, right? But he meets us in a personal way. And we begin to experience his life in us. And as we experience him, it brings us hope. And then as we operate in that hope, it gives us a supernatural strength to move forward in life. Paul gives another example of this, a personal example, just a few chapters later in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about this thorn in the flesh that he has. We don't know what it is, but he talks about how he pleads with God over and over again, God, please take this away. God, please take this away. God, please take this away. And he records this conversation that he has with God. He says that God says back to him, but he said to me, meaning God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast. Paul says this, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. There is a unique power that we experience from our relationship with Jesus through weakness. That's why, Paul says, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul is saying that we are better broken. That God's power comes alongside our brokenness and fills us with something far more beautiful. That's why Paul can say he delights. He delights in these things. It sounds like crazy talk. Really, you delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties? I mean, I don't know about you, Paul, but I'm trying to like avoid those things. I'm trying to go in the opposite directions of these things. Paul's saying, no, no, no. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. I'm stronger than before when God puts me back together. I'm stronger than before because his strength is far more powerful than my own. And our lives end up being, in a way, much more beautiful when God picks up our mess and puts it back together. There's actually a a great example of this. Um, It's found in an ancient art form uh, that came out of Japan called Kintsugi. And the K- Kintsugi artists would do this back, uh, this was in the 1500s, when a, when a pot or a, a vase or plate or a bowl would break, rather than using camouflage adhesive, like hiding the cracks and trying to make it look like a whole piece again, they actually used tree sap that was dusted in gold. And so once completed, there were these beautiful glints of the gold in the conspicuous cracks, giving it a one-of-a-kind look. We, we actually have an example of this today. Thank you, Riley. Rather than hiding the cracks, it's emphasizing it. 
Rather, rather than, than hiding the flaws, the, the artist is emphasizing the flaws. Rather than trying to, to take away the imperfections, it's highlighting the imperfections. And it becomes, in a lot of ways, more beautiful than the original. It takes on new life. It takes on a new look. It really brings, a, in, in a lot of ways, a second life to the vase. It, it, it becomes, in some ways, stronger than the original. And it also becomes more valuable than the original because now there's something in there that wasn't in there before. And this is what Paul is describing. This is what Paul is wanting us to see. And he's speaking from his own experience of pain and of trial. He lived it firsthand. And he wants you and I to know. God wants you and I to know. Suffering is not the end of the story. It's not the end of your story. It's not the end of my story. When we choose brokenness and we rely on him, God puts us back together. And in so many different ways, we're more beautiful than we were before. We, we, we can be stronger than we were before. Our lives can be more valuable than they were before because of what God has done and what he has put in us. That's what happens when his strength builds us up. Suffering, suffering is not the end of the story. We are better broken. Trials are coming. I wish they weren't. But the reality is none of us can steer clear of them. Trials are coming. And when they do, when they do, choose, choose brokenness, not bitterness. And here's the beautiful thing. You don't have to wait for suffering to come into your life to experience this. You can choose brokenness every single day, even when things are going great, even when you're on top of the, the, the world and you're experiencing greatness in every area of your, your life. You can still wake up and say, God, I can't, but you can God, I know it looks like, and I feel like I'm in control sometimes, God, but I'm, ultimately I'm not. You're in control, God. I give my life to you. I open up my hands and I say, I rely on your strength today. And then his life and his strength and his hope begins to flow through us. And we begin to see the beautiful thing that God brings out of us. So I encourage you again, choose brokenness. Choose brokenness because you are better broken. I am better broken and we are better broken. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the ability to be, uh, be able to, to peer into a life that was lived for you 2,000 years ago. And so much that it teaches us, God, that we, we shouldn't expect um, a completely smooth ride. God, trials are gonna come, suffering is gonna come, brokenness is gonna happen. Things are gonna fall apart. Our dreams sometimes get, get shattered in big ways and in small ways. That's gonna happen, but that doesn't have to pull us away from you. 
Instead, it can lead us to you. And that as we lean into you, you create something beautiful out of it. I pray for each of us today to experience that some way, somehow. For the person who's brand new to church, brand new to faith, watching for the first time, just got invited by a friend. God, would they experience you and the beauty that you can bring out of our brokenness. God, for the person who's been a Christian for decades, has lived their whole life for you, and may even be in a season right now where they're facing a trial that they've done everything they can, they can't fix it. And they're beginning to question, they're beginning to doubt, they're beginning to ask you, God, where are you? Why? Why is this happening to me? I pray you would meet them and bring the beauty out of their brokenness as well. And for everybody in between, God, would we taste and see that you are good? Would we rely on you? In Jesus' name, amen.